thank you for inviting me. This is very nice to get out of the office um, and come talk about the work that I do. I do love it. Um, so I am going to kind of talk about food. It's called the Food Smart Concept, but that's just a buzzword. Really, what I talk about is sustainable food systems. And the lens that I look at that through is the lens of food loss and waste. There are multiple other lenses that you can look at the food system through. Um, nutrition is one, supporting agriculture is another. Um, there, are, there are loads of them. Food loss and waste just happens to be the one that I do. Um, and I think, I, I think I've always had this kind of core within me around food waste, particularly. Um, I have a very distinct memory of when I was probably about 12 or 13. Um, I was staying with my, my granny, my grandmother, and she was like the ultimate food saver. We were clearing out her fridge. There was half a lemon in there that kind of dried up, a little bit old. And I was like, I'll throw this away, shall I? She was like, no, 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 I'll find a use for it, put it back in the fridge. So that's kind of, you know, the, the little story that I like to tell to just illustrate kind of how this is a real thing that is about real people and the, the food that we engage with every day, as well as this kind of global system um, that we talk about when we talk about the food system. So um, this is just a little summary of kind of what I'm going to talk about. So this is um, a presentation that I gave to uh, the World Bank and some other stakeholders last year that really looks at kind of this concept of a food smart system. Um, and it's rooted in the Sustainable Development Goals. So RAP is a charity or a not-for-profit based in the UK. I, as Caroline said, I work in a division called RAP Global. So I basically look at all of our work outside of the UK. Um, we have a whole another team that does work on food within the UK, um, which is funded by DEFRA. Um, we work with multiple partners, that's very much our approach. So but we kind of sit in the middle of all of these different types of organisations. So other NGOs, citizens, businesses, um, and governments. Um, when we talk about the food system, there's, there's like tons of like big numbers that you can throw out about the food system. These are just some of them. Um, if we continue with the food system the way that it is now, we're looking at a 50% increased demand for food, a 50% increased demand for energy, and a 30% increased demand for water. And that's against the backdrop of the fact that we waste a third of everything that we produce globally. Um, and that's across the whole supply chain, so we call it farm to fork. Um, the distribution of that is different depending on where you're looking geographically. So in many developed countries, you will find a big proportion of that at the consumer end of the supply chain. So we in our homes and when we eat out, that's about half of the waste that is generated. Uh, in developing countries, you'll find that shifted more towards the, the front end of the supply chain. So primary production and transportation. So lack of storage, lack of a chill chain, etc. What we are finding though is that in highly urbanised areas, even in developed, uh, developing countries, you are beginning to see that very high consumer food waste element as well. So we're getting to a stage where we've got 
high production masses, but also high consumer masses as well, which is a big challenge. This has a massive impact. Um, so globally, $940 billion, that's a lot of money. It's the third biggest greenhouse gas emitter. So if you ranked food waste as a country, it would be third after the US and China. Um, and you know, we talk a lot about, in terms of greenhouse gas emissions, about flying and things like that. Emissions from food waste are six times those from all of global aviation. So this is kind of a big deal. And that's against the backdrop where one in nine people go to bed hungry every night. Um, that's, this is just an illustration of what I was just talking about. So in the UK, sorry, in the EU, you can see that the balance of the waste is vastly at the household end. Um, and then as you go further back through the supply chain, you've got much smaller losses. This number here in primary production is a tiny bit dodgy. Um, it's very hard to measure. Um, in the UK, we do have some good figures, um, but you can, in terms of the kind of proportion along the supply chain, you can just see the um, uh, the balance. From a business perspective. Um, it's kind of crazy because you're throwing away a bunch of money when actually you could be making a massive return on your investment. Uh, so we did a big piece of research with this uh, organization, the World Resources Institute, to look at, okay, if you invest in this kind of activity, in food waste prevention activity, what's your return? And it's 14 to one median, uh, mean return on investment. Um, and that's across, across the world, so that's not just the UK. So, you know, some quite uh, impressive potential returns. And part of the reason for that is that because a lot of times what you'll see in a business, but also kind of at a national level, is that you don't look at the whole or the true cost of that waste. So in a business or for a local authority, for example, they'll be like, okay, well, this is what it costs me to dispose of this waste. I have to pay, you know, hundred pounds a ton to, to landfill this waste. What is not included in that are those hidden costs of that waste. So all the embedded materials, energy, the labour, the water that are in those materials in that food. And what we've kind of calculated is that that could be up to 10 times the, the, the disposal cost. So why should we do stuff about this? Well, um, I would argue that there's a moral imperative, but there's also some handy um, policy and regulatory imperatives. The Sustainable Development Goals is a big one. So goal 12.3 specifically refers to food waste and specifically sets a target of halving food waste by 2030. It's one of the very few sub-goals in the SDGs that has a numerical target associated with it and a baseline year. So it's halving food waste at the retail and consumer level against a 2015 baseline. In the EU, assuming we stay in it, which we probably won't, but there we go, um, we also have um, the circular economy package, which talks about mandatory measurement of food loss and waste separate collections and also reflecting that same target of 50% reduction. 
So we kind of that's kind of the big picture and the context. So why why do I do what I do every day? Um, how do I do it? We came up with this idea of this kind of the food smart concept, which is basically saying you put every morsel of food that's produced to good use. Um, whereas what happens now is we produce it and then we throw it in a hole in the ground, which is a little bit crazy. Um, and that includes the inedible parts, so things like bones and skin and things like that that you can eat. So that encompasses these kind of five points, um, of which the kind of the reduction is just one. So in terms of the hierarchy of things that you can do, prevention is always the best thing to do. So rather than uh, trying to find homes for food that doesn't um, that could go to waste, actually the best thing to do is prevent it from happening in the first place. You get a much bigger bang for your buck, both financially and environmentally, by doing that. However, you will pretty much always have surplus food within a system. You can't have food system that's so efficient um, you never have surplus because that's not flexible enough to deal with fluctuations in the system so floods or droughts etc so what should you do with that surplus food the best thing to do is feed it to people through redistribution or donation mechanisms what's the next best thing that you can do is divert as much of it as possible to other added value products so you're still trying to get as much into the human food chain, but also looking at animal feed or other kind of mechanisms. So for example, you can grow black fire larvae on food waste. That's a protein that can be then used as fish and chicken meal. The next thing that you would then do with anything that's left is recycle it. So through composting, through anaerobic digestion or other kind of technologies that recycle the nutrients, energy and water. Um, we have a huge problem globally in terms of the quality of our soils, um, recycling food back into um, the carbon kind of sequence is a really effective way of improving the health of our soils. Um, and then zero food waste to landfill or thermal treatment um, is the kind of the last, the last piece of the pie. So when we look at kind of how you might do this, we came up with this three kind of step process, target, measure, act, um, which, you know, is pretty self-explanatory. So um, you set a target, you measure something, and then you act on it. In the UK, we have done a lot of measurement of food waste, some very detailed, we're a world leader in terms of um, the data that we have on food loss and waste and really importantly the underlying reasons for it. So uh, we looked at household food waste, we did some very, we've done a lot of very detailed analysis to look at how much food waste there is and why that is happening. Um, and when I say detailed analysis what I mean is going through people's bins and literally categorising every single item. What, what is it? Is it in date? Is it still in the wrapper? Has it been opened? Is it mouldy? Is it not mouldy? Etc. All of that kind of categorization was done in computational analysis. And we basically said, okay, so you've got about 3 million tons of it, which is 
kind of unused, so it's been thrown away unopened. And then you've got about 2 million tonnes that is kind of leftovers, cooked meals, or surplus, or kind of cooked too much or prepared too much. And then we looked at some kind of key behaviours, so why are these things happening? And there's kind of five of those that influence those waste behaviours. And then we said, okay, well, what can you do about that? And so we um, developed, uh, this is our consumer campaign. You might have seen this around. If you shop in Aldi, you might have seen that brand. Um, they ran a big campaign, when was it? Over Christmas, I think, um, and last year to help people kind of raise awareness of food waste. Um, but we looked at kind of two key behaviors. Buy what you need and use what you buy. Um, and then what kind of sits underneath that is a whole load of other kind of citizen science and behaviour change science that we bring to bear on this around provisioning, storing, preparing, you know, how you keep food. Um, and what that then kind of boils down to is some very, very simple messages that we put out through our campaign and with our campaign partners to help people in their homes. So we ran a campaign uh, earlier this year called Chill the Fridge Out, so which was really looking at this kind of, this behaviour here, storing. So we know that a lot of food goes to waste because people aren't storing it correctly. Part of that is because most people's fridges are not set at the right temperature, they're too warm. Um, so we ran a campaign called Chill the Fridge Out to encourage people to set their fridges at the right temperature. Um, and we worked with some of the major manufacturers to say, okay, well, what does that actually mean? Like, if you've got this LG fridge and you open it and the dial inside says one to five, what does that mean? Is it one degree to five degrees? Or is it one warmth to five warmths? Like, nobody really knows. So we developed a guide that basically said, okay, if this is your make and model of fridge, this is what your dial looks like, this is what you should set it at for your optimum temperature storage. So really kind of helpful, handy, practical tips to help people waste less food at home, which coincidentally also helps you save a bunch of money. Um, our Love Food Hate Waste campaign has also been, uh, we've done some quite kind of targeted interventions. Let's get through these because they're quite, uh, just because we have done. Um, but we know that when you reach people with a campaign like Love Food Hate Waste, it really helps people to save, uh, save food. So a decrease in 15% um, in six months in West London with a campaign that we ran. Um, you know, these are kind of big savings for both for people individually, so for you and your household, but also for your local authority and kind of on a national level as well. Um, in the UK, since we've been doing our work, we've reduced household food waste by a million pounds a year, which is a lot. Then when we look at the kind of the supply chain, <clears throat> we take a very similar approach. So we look at the data, we fill data gaps where we can, where, they, um, where they're there, 
and then we pulled together what we call a hotspot analysis. So this is one example. So we basically pulled together all of the data that we have about the potato supply chain for the hospitality and food service sector. And we said, okay, what happens to, if you grow 100 potatoes, what happens? So what currently happens is that only 25 of them get eaten, which is madness, right? Um, but you can see that where the hotspots are. So you've got a big hotspot in packing and transportation. So what can we do to address that? But then you've also got these hotspots here in both preparation and plate waste. So how can you address that if you're a restaurant? Uh, how can you address that? So one example, um, you might, if any of you ever eat at KFC, you might have seen that they only do skin on fries now. They don't peel any of their potatoes. A huge chunk of this is potato peelings. So you can slash that. 20 by two thirds by not peeling your potatoes. So these are just some quite kind of seemingly obvious things that you can do to, to start to address some of these hotspots. Plate waste is another really interesting one. So again, a really simple solution is um, when you, if you're running a buffet, say in a hotel, give people smaller plates. Um, so we um, run, we ran a, a, a kind of a public-private partnership for the hospitality and food service sector um, to really focus on some of these issues, um, and that was actually really impactful. So it makes a lot of business sense for the businesses to be part of this, but it also helps with some of the kind of elements as well. So around redistribution of, of good food to people. Um, and also reducing waste along the supply chain. We also do this outside the UK. So one of our big uh, European projects called Refresh um, is looking at taking that same concept, the concept of a public-private partnership or a voluntary agreement and replicating it in other countries um, to look at, okay, does it actually work? Um, and we know it does. So we've done one in Budapest. Um, this is the black fly larvae that I was talking to you about. Not very attractive, but pretty cool. Um, and then this is the kind of recycling element that I was talking about as well. So we know that this is a really good thing to do, but it's just kind of bringing out that there's a whole bunch of different potential benefits for, from, from kind of reducing food loss and waste. So we know that in London, if we um, halve food loss and waste, what that would do is, so that would be potentially a massive saving financially to people in London. It would be a huge saving on greenhouse gas emissions. And you've also got a huge potential saving in terms of land use. So, you know, if we continue with our existing food system to treat, to feed the global population, that's two degrees of climate change right there. Um, partly from the greenhouse gas emissions, but also from land use change, from additional land required to grow food. Um, which seems crazy when we throw a bunch of it in the 
the ground. Um, so just by harming food waste in London, that's potentially 120,000 hectares. From a kind of social perspective, you've also got the potential to redistribute good food to people, which has, again, its own um, greenhouse gas emissions reductions and land savings. And then you've also got the kind of uh, municipality potential savings as well in terms of waste disposal and job creation um, that comes from that. So, just kind of a bit of a conclusion why this is such a good idea. I'm kind of preaching to the converted, I'm sure, but um, just to kind of summarise why looking at food loss and waste is not just um, environmental kind of solution or a social solution that kind of brings a whole host of 